Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. Uh, as you might have noticed, we have new intro music, thanks to Mr. Sam Miller. He's one of our Yak students, so this is something he put together. You can listen to a lot more of the song at the end of the podcast. Uh, we're continuing, continuing our series on things of the earth this week. We're covering the idea of the Trinity as we look at our foundations. Enjoy. So in trying new things, I think there are three levels of comfort, three broad areas. I know there's like seven or 12 or whatever other book you pick up at the self-help section. But I'm going to say three levels of comfort for the sake of clarity and ease tonight. Um, First, and it's your first fill in the blank, is no comfort. You don't have a clue how to do something. You are either scared to death, or you don't care to do it, or you are apathetic about it. The second level is when you have, and this is your second fill in the blank, familiarity. Familiarity. When you are familiar with something, you know what it is. You've read the Wikipedia page once or twice. You've seen it in action, but you've never maybe met the person or participated in the events. It's, you're familiar. I know it exists. The third level, I think, is having a foundation. So third is foundation in it. You understand it. You get it. You know you, know you get to build on top of your knowledge and experience and get better at it. So again, no comfort, ah, familiarity. Yeah, I saw the Facebook page. And then um, foundation. You have foundation in it, so you can actually put on walls and plumbing and a roof if you want to get really good and an expert at something. But these are three areas of... Um, Knowledge, let's say. So I went to college orientation at UNC Charlotte and was super excited. You are living in dorms for a weekend, and they have a couple college activities set up for incoming students that first night. They actually serve good food in the cafeteria because they want you to have a good experience your first night on campus. Dorm life didn't scare me. I had siblings, so I had some sort of a foundation in it. I understood the give and take. I had some ways been prepared for it. Cafeteria food didn't scare me. I went to public school, and I had plenty of pizza slices that looked like square, burnt, rubber Italian food. I love that, by the way. It's just great. I had, in some ways, been prepared for that, had a foundation to pull from. I played pool at the student hangout center the first night of activities with complete strangers. It was a blast, but I knew how to play pool. We had a table at home growing up. These things I was prepared for. I had a foundation, even if it was somewhat incomplete for these activities and life events. Again, there's a difference between between having a foundation and an expertise, having a whole house built on that foundation. But you at least have something to pull from, some experience. It might have been scary at times, but it was doable. I think all of us, even as young people, can look back at moments in your life where there was a task to get done, and because you had done it once, you weren't scared about doing it again. I've done this before. Fact is, once you do something once, it gets easier most of the time. You have experience. You have knowledge that leads to making the task or activity easier. You have a foundation to draw from. So the college orientation was pretty much all fun the first night. That second day was was when you had to get some work done. 
Go to some rural seminars, have 150 clubs try to recruit you, and take some tests and sign up for classes. Again, if you have some idea of what it's like, it's easier. You have the natural foundation to play off. I've been to rural seminars before. I know what to expect. The difference is now I'm 18. So if I break the rules, I can face longer prison sentences. The clubs, well, clearly I am going to be interested in certain clubs if I have a foundation in them. I was a professing Christian, so I had great conversations with several campus ministry leaders and even set up, set up follow-up lunches and coffees with a few. Some clubs I didn't have a foundation for at all, but I at least had a knowledge of fencing club. I was tempted. To learn how to stab and whack someone with a sword seemed extremely exciting. I didn't have a foundation, but I had a knowledge, I had a familiarity. The step team, I had rhythm. I could be that token white guy with enough work. Some clubs I just didn't get or had to guess at because my lack of knowledge or familiarity. One club, and this is serious, was called the Kick-A-Goose Club, the most anti-Canadian club on campus. And it was exactly what it sounded like. I just didn't quite know how their meetings went. And I didn't have any comfort because I don't know what they were about. Canadian geese were all over our campus. They were a nuisance. Something needed to be done. So... Then we got to the placement tests. I did fine on math. I have a foundation in numbers. And that, my second test of the day, was the Spanish placement. It was in a room with 450 other people, one of the larger rooms on campus. I had two other classes in that, in that room. And uh, I had failed Spanish twice in high school, but hey... I had four years of Spanish under my belt because of it. Because I can get out of Spanish by getting a high enough score, I was convinced I had a foundation in Spanish. Cuatro years in high school Spanish, plus another dos years in middle school Spanish, plus another trace years in elementary school. Some of you are following. Some of you would also do poorly on tests. Say, um, I'm good. So I go get the test. They have the bubble in your name section, your student ID number, your heart rate, or whatever other useless information they desire. They say, do your best. Answer all the questions you can. You have an hour and a half. I breathed in. And as I breathed out, I think the foundation left with it. I opened the booklet. Guess at the multiple choice answer to question one. Looked at question two. Looked at question two again. Changed my answer to question one. Relooked at question two. Put down C. Because, well, probability theory from SAT prep. <laughs> Look at question three. Skip it. They said to just do the ones you can do, right? Decide to go on to the next section and then come back to this one. Hoping the next section is a little bit easier. Go to the next section. Decide to check out the following section instead. And then proceeded to walk up to the front of the class and turn my test in. I walked in thinking I had a foundation, left without any knowledge, and had no comfort completing the test. I wasn't even sure I could call my friend Juan anymore. To this day, he, I call him John. This is your next fill in the blank. Sometimes you need to examine your foundations so you can build on it properly. Sometimes you need to examine your foundations so you can build on it properly. If you own a home in Texas, you might know this firsthand. 
So that is where we are heading for the next couple of weeks, back to the foundations. Last week, we explored the tension of living the Christian life. Your next fill in the blank. How do I handle the things of the earth while concerning myself with the things of heaven? That was the kind of thesis statement as we move forward. And it will continue to be our thesis statement throughout this series. But again, we need to look at the foundations of our faith if we are going to move into application. Because it would be silly, would it not, to be start building the walls of your house and how to live out the Christian life, putting the plumbing on what it looks like to have good Christian relationships, uh, put in the roof of what it's like to start a good Christian family or make decisions like, what does God want me to do with my life? If you haven't checked the foundations, it'd be silly. Likewise, we've got to do that with our faith. So this is what we're going to do. Um, the reason these foundational things are so important is because they help us answer the harder questions. This week, we're covering the Trinity. This will be taxing on the mind for some of you. That's okay. The Trinity is foundational, and you need to grapple with it. So here's a standard definition of the Trinity. This is from Wayne Gruden's Systematic Theology. This is the one we used from the Who is God series last year. It says this. It's on your sheet. God is three persons. Two, each person is fully God. Three, there is one God. Now, does everyone now have a full understanding knowledge of this? Yeah. Okay. If you do, let me know. You can teach the rest of this. I think after looking at this definition, we can say we have a familiarity with the concept. So we are going to go through some analogies to help you grasp a better concept. As I go through analogies, though, I want to give you a warning on analogies. Most analogies on the Trinity will lead to heresy. So you have to be very careful with them. Um, it can also lead you to overthink it. Oh, joy. Understand that analogies have limits. As one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says, they are like maps, analogies, but they should never replace visiting the country on it. We cannot use these as a way of analyzing God so thoroughly that we can place him up on a whiteboard. We are limited creatures limited to a certain number of senses and perspectives, attempting to analyze a being that is not limited to those same senses and perspectives. So we'll use a few analogies to help us shed a broader light on the Trinity. Ready? Ready? Let's go. Lock yourself in, okay? Yeah. We're going. Where are you, Sam? We're going, buddy. Next year, we're going to Six Flags, you and me. I'm just going to read the section out of The Things of the Earth by Joe Rigney. This is called The Psychological Model. Dating back, this is going to be, some of you will get this because you're not numbers people and you're like history English people, so some of you will get this a lot easier. Some of you this will be harder. Okay? So I'm going to read it right out of the book by Joe Rigney that this whole series is taught, is, um, t- taken out of called The Things of the Earth. It says this. Dating back to Augustine, and finding considerable expression in the theology of Jonathan Edwards, it holds that in the Godhead, there is a God in his direct existence, Father. God's self-reflection or contemplation of himself is the Son. And God's love and delight in himself is the Holy Spirit. Or again, there is God, God's idea of God, and God's love, for his idea of himself. I'm going to read it again slowly. Please. So you can begin to piece it together in your mind. Remember, you're dealing with an infinite being who when he speaks things, 
They actually come into existence. So if you're dealing with an infinite being reflecting on himself, that also in itself, according to this analogy, would be the sun. So again, Augustine, Jonathan Edwards, it holds that the Godhead, there is God in his direct existence, Father, God's self-reflection or contemplation of himself, Son, and God's love and delight in himself, Holy Spirit. Or again, there is God, God's idea of God, and God's love for his idea of himself. Now, where is this in Scripture? As you know, the Trinity is not mentioned by name. Trinity in Scripture is not mentioned by name, Trinity in Scripture, but several verses scream of its existence. Likewise, so does this analogy. Colossians 1.15, if you want to write these down so you can go back later, feel free to. Colossians 1.15, 2 Corinthians 4, 4-6, refer to the Son of God as God's image or representation. Hebrews 1.3 shows the Son as the radiance of the Father's glory and the exact imprint of His nature. Jesus Himself says that if you have seen Him, you have seen the Father. John 14.7-11 Likewise, the Bible regularly connects the Holy Spirit to God's love and joy. Joe Rigney states this, It is striking that while the Father and the Son are repeatedly described as loving each other and human beings, the Spirit is never said to love the Son or the Father or us. Jonathan Edwards explains the strange omission by arguing that the Spirit is the very love of God. It's weird to think. The very love of God dwells where? So as we go into transformation groups, keep that idea in mind. There's a reason. The reason we're covering the Trinity is because I think it's by far the most overlooked doctrine in Scripture. It is one of the key things that separates us from every other major religion on the planet. This idea of a Trinitarian God. In countries around the world, if you're in a Muslim country, the reason they kill you is because this idea. They find this Trinitarian God offensive. And you need to understand that the nature of God, who God is, differentiates himself from other created religions. Understanding the Trinity, in some sense, will give you under a better understanding of who Jesus is and then who you are in relation to both. Again, this is one of those foundational issues that it's so key to cover. As you get older and you get a larger vocabulary and wisdom... Unless you're Sarah Ann. You could do it now. Um, find a book on the Trinity and, and die, I, you can chew on it. Um, this is a concept that I do think is underspoken above. Okay? So does that make sense? That is the psychological model. Okay? We all psychological here? Yep. I feel a little psychological. Analogy two is called the family model. Da, 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 da. This idea of family within the Godhead is seen clearly in scriptures. I mean, he instructs us to refer to him as what? The Father. And the? Son. The Father chooses the people for himself and sends his Son to save them. The Son obeys the Father and accomplishes his work. The Spirit is sent by both the Father and the Son as a down payment for our inheritance. Ephesians 1.14 At this point in the model, though, it would be important to introduce you to a big theological term. Yes, this will be on your test later. 
Awesome. And this is your next fill in the blank. I wasn't going to make you spell the word because I'm not even sure how to say it. And that is perichoresis. And that means mutual indwelling of the Godhead. M- mutual indwelling. I am dwelling. It is perichoresis. It's on your sheet right here. It says that they are distinct from one another without being separate. Jesus speaks directly to this in John 14, 9 through 11. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Joe Rigney puts it this way, The Father is not the Son, but He is in the Son. The Son is not the Spirit, but He is in the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father, but He is in the Father. And this mutual indwelling is thorough and complete. All that the Father is, He is in the Son and the Spirit. All that the Son is, He is in the Father and the Spirit. All that the Spirit is, He is in the Father and the Son. There are no leftovers, no remainers, remainders, no excess divinity. Okay? So what's the point? It helps us shape what it means when we answer the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Think about this. This is systematic. God is all about His glory. Just like He designed us to be all about His glory. But if we don't understand what glorifying God means in a Trinitarian aspect, then it can just seem like a king who is obsessed with himself. God is about His glory because He is the greatest thing in existence. God knows this because He is all-knowing. God is also love incarnate so naturally that He is not alone. Think about it. Love, by definition, needs an object of its affection. So if God is love incarnate, He needs an object of His affection outside of His person. But not necessarily outside himself. Again, love, by definition, needs something to love. So that's why the Trinitarian nature of God just naturally overflows. So God loves his son, his perfect reflection of himself. And that love is so powerful and perfect that it itself is a person, also known as the Spirit. So when God glorifies Himself in John 17, 5, and now the Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He is asking God to make Him complete, to fill Him with the love that the Father has for the Son. So the point is this, God offers the same love to us. Having a foundation on the Trinity gives us a fuller picture of God's love for us.
How is it perf- how it is perfected in his son and indwells in us by his spirit. And because of the perichoresis nature of the spirit, the mutual indwelling, Christ dwells in us and has direct connection with the father. So we're going to move into this further, but think about it. I'm not going to answer the question for you, but if it's complete mutual indwelling and the spirit of Christ rests within you and it's a mutual indwelling, what also rests within you? A direct relationship to all other aspects of the Trinity. But the spirit being the pure love of the Father and the Son is what connects us to him. Okay? It's hard. I get it. This is So this is your last fill in the blank. We are called to dwell within the love of this trinitarian God. We are called to dwell within the love of this trinitarian God. How do we best do that on earth? By handling all things of the earth while concerning ourselves with the things of heaven. So in transformation groups, we will reflect on the Trinity and how the Trinity models how we live with the things of the earth. Thanks for listening to another Yak Podcast. This series is taken from the book Things of the Earth by Joe Rigney. I highly suggest picking it up at your local bookstore or Amazon.com. It really is a great read. Um, If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. Hope you all turn in tune in next week. Thanks.